back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. And there she is, ear piercing as always. <laughs> that was loud. That was, anyway, uncur- that was hurtful. I've got, new, I, I've got a, a set of headphones in that are not my normal. And uh, it's like everything is incredibly loud and uh, wanting to blow one of my eardrums out. So that's been really wonderful. Um, thanks for coming back. We thank you again for coming back to listen to The Abnormal Christian. Uh, if you're um, finding us on Facebook or any other books that you're using, we ask that you would like and share this with other people so that they can uh, be exposed to The Abnormal Christian uh, podcast. We really want to keep it uh, going. We're, we're back again, and we're trying to uh, grow the podcast back to where kind of was trending upwards up until the the beginning of the year um around april and uh things really got hairy and so mm-hmm. kind of fell off a little bit and we're just trying to get back to that but i want to thank you for listening i want to thank everybody who continues to listen um and uh we really do appreciate it we're not uh, as we've said before we don't think we have uh, really anything special i guess to uh, maybe to say to people and and maybe with you know that's i think that's christians as a whole um i think once we uh once we realize who we are in christ you know and we see ourselves for what we really are um we have a hard time believing sometimes that we have anything to contribute and so that kind of leads us into this episode today and uh this episode it, honestly this could be a man you could probably do 20 30 episodes on this one subject and we're definitely not going to have a uh a thorough, exhaustive conversation on it, um, but it's really on the topic of God's love, and uh, so this episode will be titled, What is God's Love? And it really stems from uh, some thoughts I've been having. I've been reading a book by A.W. Tozer called Disruptive Faith, A Disruptive Faith by A.W. Tozer, and um, it really uh, made me think about God's love in a few different ways than what I normally thought about it. So if we were to start and we were to say, you know, we just start talking about love generally, um, the, there's, there's different kinds. We know there's different kinds of love. There's the love the world has, and there's the love that uh, Christians have. Those are two different kinds of love. We've expressed the love that uh, we have for our children is different than the love that we have for our parents. Um, my love for Natasha is quite different than the love that I have for my children. Um, you know, we were, we were talking about um, the loving objects and things this week. I had someone, uh, they texted me and they asked me, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here, uh, but they texted me and they asked me, they said, do animals go to heaven? Do all animals go to heaven or do just your pets go to heaven? And I, <laughs> I just text, the pets you love. Right. I and I texted back and I said, do you want the, you know, do you want a real answer? Do you want the fluffy one that makes you feel good? Because the reality is the Bible doesn't deal with that subject. It's not a, you know. Um, and the reason being is because everything is temporal. Everything in this world, the Bible says, uh, you know, rust and decays and falls apart. And so everything um, has an eventual end. And even animals have an eventual end. But um, we allocate from our hearts a certain amount of love toward that animal, toward that pet, that family animal. And so we would like to attribute that to, well, they're going to heaven. When I get to heaven, I'm going to see this this dog that I had because I loved it so much. Um, or I'm going to see that cat or that whatever it is, this animal that I love is going to be there because, and that's not honestly how it works. That's not, the Bible doesn't say that things or people go to heaven because we love them or because we love one another or because, you know, uh, me and Natasha could be in a long, long relationship and I could love her. And if she does not love God or she hasn't found the love of God through Jesus Christ, that's not going to mean anything. My love for her won't change the eventual outcome of her life. Um, but turning to Christ, right? That's we know that's God's ultimate um, 
the ultimate example of his love, turning to God and turning to Christ uh, does guarantee um, that position with the Father. And it's not because of our love, but because of his love for us. So it really gets around. It's a really complicated subject. When I get to it, I honestly, I can't... um, I can't fathom it. I don't understand it. You know, there's there's lots of singers and there's lots of songs and there's been plenty of sermons preached. And um, the love of God has some mysteries to it that I don't understand, some things that I don't understand. Um, I'll read a, I want to read a couple different things out of this A.W. Tozer because I really was um, caught by some of the things that he had, he had said. And we can discuss them um, if you don't mind there, Natasha. So we'll read it. But anyway. So he basically says that authentic faith begins with an understanding of our place in God's thinking. So our faith, you know, faith cometh by uh, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And um, faith is this, um, it's not this visible thing. We don't have to see God with our eyes. We don't have to see Jesus with our eyes. We're placing this belief in a, in a higher hope and a higher trust. Um, but understanding where where we are at in the thinking of God helps us understand our faith in God. Because if we don't see ourselves um, any importance, uh, having any importance to him or him to us, it's going to make it difficult for us to place our trust in him. And so it was really, you know, it's a really interesting idea, but he goes on to say there's five things that, uh, five questions that are unanswered that we all tend to ask. Number one, where do we come from? And that's always, you know, I think we, we deal with that question all the time. <clears throat> And I think these are these are larger questions outside of where did I, Brad Mason, come from, but where does mankind come from? Where what is the origin of of humanity? Where do we come from? What is the point of that? Um, number two, he would question how do we get here? You know, so where do we come from? That's that's the origin, but how do we get here? How are we right here where we are today? How did that how did that moment in my life happen that brought me to this point? Um, and then the third question will be what are we? You know, we we we're what are we? Um, and this really comes out of Hebrews where he says, who is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man? Who am I as a person that God should care enough for me? I don't, you know, and, and in a grand scheme of things, I don't understand. I don't, I can't answer that question. I read, this is A.W. Tozer. I really like this guy. Um, I really like a lot of his writings. I, there's a lot of other Watchman Nee's one of my favorites. I've mentioned him before. Um, and when I think of these men, I think of, man, they walked, you know, their lives were dedicated to the Lord in a different way than mine is. And they were, I, I don't want to say they're different levels, but when I look at them, I'm like, why does God love me? I could get why he would love Watchman Nee. I mean, he wrote so many books. He was so, his heart was so connected. It seems like to me, his heart was so connected to God. And I think I attribute that human attribute, that, that natural thing of, well, I can't see why God would love me. He should love that person more. Because that person does more for him, right? Well, your natural human thing is to want to compare yourself to others, which is always recipe for not feeling well. No, I, I agree. I, but I think that's what we—that's where we come from. I think we say, um, you know, we look at, we read the Bible, and you read all these stories of prophets and and all these mighty warriors and David and. Um, he killed Goliath, you know, with the power of God. And we sit back and I'm like, well, who am I? What am I? Why does God even, why is he worried about me? Why does he think about me? And these all expand into the love of God. Um, one of the other questions, I think the fourth question is, why are we here? And that's a big one. You know, for me, that's a big one. Um, I'm 44 years old and I still struggle sometimes understanding what, what is my purpose to do. I know what my ultimate purpose is, is to share the gospel, spread the gospel, to tell others of Jesus. That is the ultimate goal of my life. That is the ultimate purpose that God has given every single believer. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Um, but there's a 
those days where you sit and you still have that little nag in your head that says, why are you here? What are you doing? Why are you here? What's your purpose? What are you doing? You know, I mean, um, and it makes it tough because we live in this world that, that wants to, everybody wants to quantify who they are by what they wear or, or where they're from or where they went to school or what job they have. You know, um, one of my friends sent me a thing this week. It was a five, um, it was one through five. And it said, uh, it was about your job. What, what's the most important thing to you? And, and one of them was your leisure time, getting satisfaction, you know, so stuff like that. And um, it was really interesting because there was one column that was for its identity, right? My job gives me my identity. It makes me who I am. And I was like, no, that's, that's not how I, I, that's not me. And I think some people are like that. Some people define themselves by what they're doing in the world. And the problem is, the ultimate problem is, is when we do that and we die, that ultimate identity that we had in this world doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. In the, in the grand scheme of things, standing before God, he doesn't care if you're the uh, director of a great operation. He doesn't, honestly, he doesn't care if you work for Red Cross. He doesn't, he doesn't care if you work for, um, you know, a hospital or uh, even a charity. It doesn't, I mean, you're, you, as a Christian, we're supposed to perform those good works because of our faith. But those things don't count toward our righteousness. You know, it's not that ultimate thing of... Um, uh, there was a guitar player who died a week ago, um, and everybody is just like, oh, I'm sure he's playing his guitar in heaven. Why? Can you give me an example of why that is? Because playing guitar doesn't make you go to heaven. You know, it, it just, that's not the, that's not the goal. That's not the get past. That's not what gets you through. That's not, um, that's, you're, you're cheapening the love of God when we can quantify it into something that I can do. I say the love of God is not important if Brad can add something to it. And if I'm trying to add something to it, then I am definitely just not giving God his just due. Um, one of the other questions, um, where are we going? That's the bigger question, right? And I think you could look at that in the in the um, the meantime right now, or you could look at it in the future. Where are we going? I could ask that question of what does my life look like right now? Where do I see myself? Love this question. Where do you see yourself five years from now? You got anything on that one? Hopefully on a mountain somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. So you see where you're going there, but in the long term, where do you see yourself going? I mean, in the eternal sense, where do you see yourself going? To heaven. Right. To be with the Lord. So that's our long term goal. So I want to read another passage out of this um, because I really like this a lot. And he says, man's frailty is not the worst thing that can be said about him. I could see why God might love that which is frail. I could see why God might love that which is ignorant. But I cannot see how God can love that which is iniquitous. And yet, man's iniquity and God's love are found in the same paragraph, sometimes often in the same verse. And I, you know, I understand that. Man, that, pa that paragraph, I, I marked it. I, I kind of highlighted and marked in this book, but I, I marked it because I wanted to remember that because I absolutely agree with that. You know, if we look at God, there's people who say this all the time. Well, what about the people who are around the world that never hear, Right. Um, they never hear the gospel. They never had anybody preach it to them. You know, the Bible says that God's glory is on display. They can see it. Um, but I could see God giving a person who is ignorant a break. I could see the love of God being applied to someone who's ignorant. I could see God saying, I love that person despite themselves because, boy, they don't know any better. Right? They don't know the difference. They don't know and they don't understand. Or I could see, I think when we look at um, elderly and senior people, we could say, wow, they're very frail. You know, they're at the end of their life and they're very, and this is where I think this comes from. Honestly, I think we see their frailty as a sign of 
being somewhat okay with God. Because when old people die, it doesn't matter if they have a life that was living like you know hell on earth, and it doesn't matter if they live in righteousness. 99% of the people who know them are going to be like, well, they're in heaven with the Lord because they were frail, right? Because of their frailty. We attribute their frailty to some kind of righteousness or that it's a past that they lived their whole life and um, maybe their life was tough. And so we say, well, they had a tough life. And at the end, they were frail. So, you know, they must have went to heaven. You know, I, I believe that they, they went to heaven. They did a lot of terrible things, but they were just a frail, you know. And so I think we look at it, and I could understand, maybe I could understand that a little bit. Maybe I could say, um, you know, God has mercy on that frail person. Maybe I could understand that, that his love is expressed to them. But according to, you know, even what he says in this book, and I agree with him completely, the one thing I cannot understand is how God can love that which is iniquitous. How can God love that which is full of iniquity and, and wickedness and sin. How was God able to do that? Uh, because we, you know, we as humans would write somebody off. I think, uh, you know, at one point in this book, he say he talks about a mother who might write her child off, who says, um, you know, well, he's done so bad. He's done the worst things in the world or, or they've done so horrible. You know, they've committed all these horrible crimes and they've done all these horrible things. And I just cannot claim that person as my own. And he says, you know, I can understand that. And I could see us human-wise, being humans, doing that. But God in his mercy doesn't do that. That's not at all what God does. He doesn't write us off. You know, he knows we're sinful, and yet he still loves us. And it's the greatest thing that is on his mind. Is his, and I cannot, you know, I want to explain, express this to you, um, if you're listening to this episode, that God's love is so great. Um, if God could, you know, if God could, the Bible says God never sleeps or slumbers. Um, and if God could, you know, Tozer says God wouldn't. Because God is is so concerned with mankind, and his and you could, we could sit here and argue the merits of whether this is actually true. You could say, well, I don't, I don't believe that, you know. And I've made statements in the past that I don't think. Um, I think sometimes we think we our, our level of importance to God has to be in check, right? We have to make sure that we understand our relationship to Him. But at the same time, God, everything God has done has been to redeem mankind. That's his purpose. That's the purpose of it all. That's the purpose of Jesus coming. That's the purpose of everything is to restore a broken relationship between us and the Father. And that has to speak about the level of God's love. Because if God did not love us that much, he would not have taken the time to do all of that. And so mankind as a whole has to be weighing upon his mind. And it has to be sitting upon his heart. Um uh, he says, uh, some cannot understand why God lets man die, but I cannot understand why God lets man live because he has for forfeited all the right to live by his iniquity. Yet in spite of all of this, man is a fixture in God's <clears throat> mind. God cannot escape the great love of his heart for the human race. Um, he goes on to tell a story, and I brought this up with Natasha, um, that he, he talked to a young man, and the young man said he did not understand the love of God. He could not seem to grasp the idea of the love of God until he got to Genesis 6-6. Uh, and he said that um, God saw the wickedness of a man, and it grieved him in his heart. And he said, I saw that only the love, this is what the young man said, he said, I, I saw that only the love of God could grieve and that you do not grieve unless you love. And basically what he's saying is that the grief he saw, you know, the Bible says in Genesis 6, 6, that God grieved in his heart for the wickedness of man. And, um, you know, me and Natasha were talking, I said, you wouldn't grieve unless you love somebody. We don't grieve. You know, I had a friend of mine uh, a couple of years ago, um, he took his own life and I was upset about that, you know, and I, my level of grief was different than his wife's level of grief or his family's level of grief. 
And that grief, those levels of grief were based upon how much they loved, how much I loved, how much we loved that person. Um, and so my level of grief was different because I wasn't very, I wasn't connected to him outside of, of the job, outside of work. Um, he was a friend and it was, it was very um, hurting to know that it, that it occurred. But for his wife, it was, you know, it's that there's a different level of grief there that hurts in the heart. And uh, God himself, you know, said it grieved him in his heart at the wickedness of man. And you don't grieve for someone if you do not love them. I mean, there are people in the obituary every day who are dying all over the earth, people dying all over the earth every day from all kinds of things. And I don't grieve for a lot of them. I don't grieve for most of them because I don't know them. I don't, I, in the grand sense, we say, well, we love them. You know, we love them, we'll love them because God loves us. That's true. Um, but I don't have that grief in my heart because I didn't know them. I don't love them at that level. Um, and the idea that God loves us at that level you know, the idea that he loves us so much that it grieves him in his heart when we're wicked uh, should say a lot about his love and the greatness of his love. Um, and it, and God's love just it's one of those. It, it's a very complex thing because I don't I, like I said, I don't get all of it. Um, I, I can't understand loving the wicked. I mean, just the absolute wickedness of mankind. He, he gets so aggravated and frustrated with all of the earth that he decides to flood it and wipe out the wicked. And uh, he leaves Noah and his family because he, he sees the righteous. But he knew on the other side of that, even on the other side of Noah and the ark, you had wicked people. You know, after they've repopulated the planet and... Um, it's just more wickedness. It continued and it continued on because it was all going to fall in the fulfillment of God's love. His ultimate plan was to send us his son. Um, so here's a, a passage of scripture, Isaiah 53, 11, And it says, this is talking about Jesus. It said, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant uh, justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. So he shall bear their iniquities. And the writer, what did the writer mean by that? Um, what, did, what do you think he meant by that? That he shall bear their iniquities? He'll bear their wickedness. Right. And it basically meant the same thing that Jesus said in John 16, 21. He said, a woman, um, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her house, her hour has come. I'm sorry, her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of child, she remembers no more the anguish, right? For, for joy that a man is born into the world. Um, and Isaiah 53, 11, he said, he shall see the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. So he, he bore our iniquities upon him. He bore our wickedness upon him and seeing the travail of his soul. He was satisfied and seeing the end outcome of what had happened through Jesus. He was satisfied. Jesus was satisfied. God, the father is satisfied because there's that rightness that is made with us because God loves us that much. Jesus, you know, and I, I'll never, I'll never know. I don't think any of us will ever know. We can always speculate on, um, what, you know, Jesus, when he, he bore our iniquities, what did that actually mean? What was in his mind? What was he actually feeling? What was he actually thinking? Um, you know, there's some people who are like, when Jesus was on his cross, I was on his mind. You've heard that song? Have you heard that mm -hmm. song? And I don't know if that's actually true. I don't know. We don't know. That's a, It's a wonderful image to paint for people to listen to or to believe in. Um, but I don't know what was on his mind. But it was very unsettling for him. Um, you're not going to be the living son of God and carry that burden upon you. Um, and it not be a difficult thing. And I think we, we downplay that sometimes. And we make it... Um, 
very f- fun. You know, the idea that Easter and all these things are so fun. And uh, we try to paint a, a really bright picture on it. But it was a very solemn event, a very sorrowful thing. But it was all about that, the love of God. And, and you know, if you're listening to the episode and maybe this is where you jumped and you're like, hey, I'm on this episode. I, I just saw this episode it was about the love of God. I don't want anything about it. And I wanted to learn. I want to hear. Um, you got to understand everything in God's plan from the foundation of the world to um to where we are today, everything in God's great plan and design has been about the love of God. It's about the love for his son, and it's about the love for his creation. He could have he could have loved all the animals. He could have loved the earth. He could have loved the universe. Um, he could have loved all these things greater than us and more than us. But mankind was the central focus of his love. And redeeming mankind was so important to himself that he wanted to give his son as a sacrifice to redeem us unto himself and to wash us in the blood of the lamb. So the, the love of God, again, uh, there could be, there's so many different things you could go on, on the, you know, the love of God, different aspects to look at it. But I was really impressed with the idea that, uh, you know, I, God looking at us while we're in iniquity and still loving us. And the Bible says, even when we were, you know, still sinners that Christ died for us. He, he still died for the sinful. Um, he still died for the people who uh, ridiculed him. He still died for the people who yelled crucify. Um, he still died for those who rejected him. His death was the end of the sin sacrifice. Um, but it's up to us, um, the Holy Spirit, by conviction, to call us out of this world and for us to answer that call and to uh, give give a place in our life to that. So anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been short and sweet. We'll get around to another episode. Hopefully uh, soon we're going to be looking at the study of Acts chapter 18 this week. Hopefully that'll post on Wednesday, so be looking for that. Um, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss or cover, please email us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. We'll have to go over there and dust that website off or that email off because I don't think we've checked it in a while. Um, if you'd like to comment on this episode, you can comment on Podbean or you can comment on Facebook. Uh, find us on Twitter Instagram. We're at those places as well. We would ask that you would continue to pray for us as a family um, and what's going on in our household and our children and um, the direction God wants us to take in our lives. He's really opening doors on some things. And uh, so we continue to look for his wisdom and his direction. Um, We will continue to pray that God will bless you and all that you do and give Jesus the glory in every aspect of your life. Uh, We will talk to you next time on The Abnormal Christian. Bye.
I want to thank everybody for listening. We appreciate you giving us your time and uh, sticking around. And we, uh, we ask that you uh, continue to spread the podcast. Pray for us. Pray that God will have his way in our lives and uh, pray that God continues to lead us in all that we do. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.